Hey everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Zingspiel Sessions, where we zing, sing, and spiel speak about what makes musicians tick. Today on the podcast, we have Halen Allison of Exeter fame. My name is Anthony DeLuca. I'm going to be your host today, and I hope you enjoy the show. How are you doing today, Halen? Doing good. Yeah? Yeah. What have you been doing to keep busy? Uh, not much. Just uh, sitting around mostly, playing some video games, play some music when I can. Yeah. Now, have you done any playing, like, Facebook Live shows since quarantine happened? or? No, I was actually thinking about doing that. I've never done that before, but um, right. I, have, uh, I have a severe case of imposter syndrome. Um, yeah, that seems to be a trend among <laughs> our kind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I see all these cats playing music, and they're doing really good, and uh, it's a little intimidating thinking about uh, doing that, you know, yourself. Or myself, anyway. Right. When did you realize you had imposter syndrome? Hmm. Because you get to a level of good where you're like, oh, I'm pretty good. And then you get to a level of better where it's like, I'm yeah. garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was probably, um, I've probably always had it. I was, um, I was a, I was a top tier drummer in high school, you know, big fish in a little pond. Right. Um, and one of the main reasons I didn't do things like, um, you know, all county and stuff like that was mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, I was afraid of looking bad. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I was the man in school. You know, we had school. You know, four hundred kids, K through twelve, and then, uh, you know, you got to go play against all these other kids who, you know, I probably was as good at or maybe even better than. Right. And I probably would have had no problem making it but uh i think i've always had it i i didn't i didn't put a name to it probably until about 10 years ago when i started like writing uh you know words writing right. um so yeah that's kind of i've kind of always yeah. had it i think so did you start on like kit or did you just do other percussion uh yeah i started well i started in fourth grade band you know which is pretty much when everybody starts right um my band director really wanted me to play trumpet because i guess they were lacking trumpeters but i was a bit of a hard head even in even as a fourth grader so i uh you know i was like i, I really want to play drums and he and he let me play drums and then years later i kind of ribbed him a little bit about that because right. uh, you know we were winning you know percussion contests and and marching band you know awards and uh it was like uh you know you start just playing rudiments on the snare drum Mm -hmm. or your practice pad and doing bass drum and cymbals and triangles and everything and i think about when i was about 13 12 or 13 i i really wanted to learn to kit i saw it sitting in the corner and it's like yeah i really want to do that and uh you know i tried to get my band director to show me but he was kind of like uh go forth and do great things man right. you know if you screw up too bad i'll let you know but yeah it was just uh basically spent um all my time all my free time at, in the band room um like my junior and senior year i i finagled it so i had uh four study halls a day and i just i was down there for for hours and hours that's all i did yeah very cool so did you have the same band director from fourth grade all the way up or? yeah yeah luckily oh. i did um wow. he's one of those guys you know there's there's always somebody you meet in life and they like kind of 
propel you on a path. And he, he's one of those guys that did that for me, uh, right. musically at least. Um, he, uh, you know, just let us do our thing back there. We had a great group of drummers for one, but we're, our band was was really talented as well. Right. And he just said, you know, he was an enabler. He enabled us to be better than, you know, right. we would have been otherwise. He's and like the, the kind of guy that helps you build the stage one of the rocket and then is happy when you get stage two on your own. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. He he actually just passed in January, which mm. uh, was a huge, huge, yeah. you know, huge hit. Sorry to hear that. Um, and, you know, we kept, in, we kept in touch for years afterwards. You know, we'd have breakfast. Me and another drummer would, would have breakfast with him and, oh, and stuff. Nice. And he was, uh, he was a great guy, and, uh, you know, he was definitely missed. Yeah. So when did you transition to guitar did you work with him on that or were you just mostly percussion yeah, throughout high school yeah pretty much percussion i was i was one of those guys like i don't want to play anything else i'm a drummer that's all i'm gonna be that's all i want to be right but about my i guess my junior year uh a friend of mine named mike insco he uh he kind of he's like a polymath when it comes to music he can play anything he can pick anything up and play it right and he started playing around with this acoustic guitar we had uh sitting in the band room and I'm like, well, you know, that'd be kind of cool to mess around with. And, yeah. you know, I went through the fingers bleeding sensation for a bit. And he and I wrote a song. And uh, really, the, the, the guitar became a matter of convenience because you can't really lug around a, a five-piece kit right. everywhere. And when I joined the military, that was my musical outlet, just lugging right. a guitar around as opposed to, you know, there was no drumming, really. Right. Um, I did play in a church band for about three three times when i was mm. in okinawa and that was <laughs> you know they were good people but it just wasn't really my thing now did you do anything in a professional capacity for the military music wise no no i had thought about um you know putting up a an audition tape um mm-hmm. to be in the marine corps band but i really did that's not really the way i wanted to go right um i knew some guys like some guys in boot camp um were musicians and mm-hmm. they were going to be in the band and you know it's just it just wasn't it wasn't what i wanted to get out of it and i'm right. glad because i got lucky in choosing a career path in the military that kind of helped me pay the bills yeah plus as soon as you start doing music professionally is when you like hate it the most yeah is, right is when i when i was going through college and i was just like all right professional musician here's your five hours a day in the practice room Boy, howdy, did I want to do anything else. <laughs> I would have stared at analytics all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, you know, it's the same thing with writing, too. I'm I'm a, I'm a fairly good writer, and, uh, you know, when you talk about wanting to make money, then it's, then it's a job, and it's like, yeah. you know, so I've always approached music like, hey, if we get paid doing it, that's awesome. If right. not, that's that's cool, too. Um, you know, I had a band in, in Dayton, and we played – we played some live gigs down there and we were making some pretty good money nice. and that was just kind of a bonus, you know, right. like it was, it was way more fun to just be up with three guys, two, three guys that you, you'd like to play music with. Now, is this the bands in Dayton that you have like songs on Spotify with? Yeah. What, yeah. Is, what is the name of the band again? Uh, the name, it was originally Exeter, E-X-E-T-E-R. And then we found out somebody else had that name. So we changed it to, Exter with uh, E X apostrophe T E R, and then we just said the hell with it, and we went back to Exeter. <laughs> so our first release is listed as Exter, 
E-X-T-E-R because you can pronounce it the same way, but it's, you know, stylistically different. Right. And then the second album, we just went back to our our name. Nice. Have you uh, kept in touch with those guys? Do you still work with them? Or? Yeah, yeah. We are yeah. actually talking about uh, doing another one. Um, we're, we're a weird band because when we're together, we're prolific, but... You know the guitar, the lead guitarist Luke Rogers. He moved. You know he he got a doctorate in economics, and then the singer Dave Reed. He uh, he's an actual doctor. He's a colorectal specialist with his own practice oh, wow. in in Dayton. So Dave's in Dayton, or uh, in Columbus rather. Luke's in Florida. I'm here. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of hard. The second album took about ten years to to oh. even do. Wow. Yeah. What so have you have you gotten together with any? people to jam with up here that are closer by or is it just like you won't really capture the magic what you had with those two well that's a yeah i mean that's a great point because on the one hand i was incredibly spoiled by meeting guys who were as dedicated as i was who liked the s- similar things and creatively we meshed really well mm-hmm. um a, f- a, a thing i always say about bands like everybody wants to be in a band until it's time to be in a band yeah you know and then and then it's like well i can't on thursdays because you know i gotta walk the dog and you know everybody has a lot of excuses and i've tried to uh, do a couple of things locally my dad's a great musician mm-hmm. uh, my brother is a good drummer um and it just you know nobody nobody ha- can make the time and right. the more people you add to it the harder it is right um so my cousin and I were playing a little bit, but he lives, you know, 45 minutes away. It's just, it's just a pain. Right. It's like wrangling cats. Yeah. And down where I live, you know, there's, there's not a lot of music. It's not a very rich music scene. Right. So finding people and it's just, you know, it's hard because you're bearing your soul to some degree, Yeah. you know, and you don't want to meet the wrong people because it turns you off. Especially if you're going to be doing, like your own music, right. not even just playing other people's music where you do still put your heart into that song. It affects you deeply. So yeah. of course you want to play it, but to put your own words and your own chords and your own sonorities in front of somebody else and yeah. have them kind of, I guess not critique it as constructively as you'd like. Right. It could be really sort of just feeding that imposter syndrome. Yeah. 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 That's why I love my band because we all write each other's stuff. You know, there's there's such a great synergy between the three of us. And, you know, there's there's no holds bars in a sense that, you know, we're going to be honest with each other. But at the same time, it's like, hey, it would sound really cool if you did this. And oh, yeah, cool. You know, or maybe it doesn't work. But there's never any like sense of hard feelings because my idea wasn't uh, eventually adopted. Right. Or vice versa. Because you get those dedicated people that are just about making the best music you can make yeah yeah so if they're for the idea they're gonna adapt it any way they can yeah as best they can to how you wrote it yeah which is always it's always a great thing yeah i got a i got a buddy in in new york city that i went um to college with and he just actually sent me a score of like a melody that i i wrote for him he sent me some chords back and so i just went back edited that and sent him a, a new score back so it's it's fun to just now that i'm a homebody to sort of collaborate remotely yeah. mm-hmm. it it's just something new and fun i've i've never really collaborated with somebody 
on writing music before. Right. Yeah. It is fun. It, the give and take. See, man, like th- the problem with me and the reason I haven't really played drums a lot is because it's really hard to be motivated after you've played with people, you know, right. and people who get you as a yeah. musician. And then it's like, oh, okay, so I'm just going to play a 4-4, you know, mm-hmm. B and do some fills. And this is, it's just not the same. Uh, so it's really hard for me to, to to motivate myself to practice drums, which is why I stick to the guitar now. It's a lot easier for me to fully flesh out a song. Right. Um, you know, and we're going to, we're supposed to start working on like sending ideas back and forth between a Google Drive and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 good. So yeah, the guitar is such a versatile instrument for yeah. solo play. You can really get like that rhythm going just yeah. by strumming. Um, and so you said you jumped into this late high school, and you've been playing ever since. Well, you know, nothing. I wasn't really serious about it. It was you know one of those things where you just, hey, I can play you know whatever song. Yeah, here's Wonderwall. Here's Wonderwall. You know, like. And, peop- and people love it, you know, right. which as a musician, you're like, come on, man. Like, really? This is what you love. This is you. You love this. Right. You know, this really simple uh, pop song or whatever it is. But, you know, and chicks love it, which is, you know, yeah, as a young man, that was appealing. It's to got me. its perks. Yeah, it's got its perks. Um, but I didn't really do anything serious. I didn't like try to learn chords right. or how to do chord shaping or anything like that. I was just like. Oh, I can play that, and I and I would learn it by ear. I'm a little bit more disciplined now yeah. with trying to learn the right way to play. So how do you how do you approach learning a new piece now? Uh, well, I, you know, I I've abandoned the ear approach. That worked well when I was younger and right. was playing, you know, very rudimentary things, you know, and probably playing them wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I I tend to look up the chords, um, you know, on Google. I just Google the chords yeah. and. Uh, that's what I've been doing lately. You know, previously I had tried to play a cover relatively faithfully, mm-hmm. you know, to the song. And lately I've just been kind of like, you know what, we're going to play it how we want to play it. Right. You know, sticking with the, you know, the theme of the song. And as the, long as it sounds good. As long as it sounds good. Yeah. And um, that's kind of where I'm at now, um, you know, and I there's so much I don't know about guitar. There's so much right. I don't know. And um, the beauty of it is trying to figure out something like the D minor, for example. That was like the bane of my existence, man. Any song that had a D minor in it, I was just like, nope, not playing that one, because <laughs> I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. Right. And I forced myself to do it, and I'm n- not really good still, but uh, it's a lot better. I'll I'll, I'll jump in a D mi- song with D minor in it. Yeah, I basically avoid any keys that have more than like four sharps or flats. <laughs> yeah, right. Just don't even show that picture to me. Yeah, exactly. Um. So what have you been? learning recently then um recently well let me let me just uh, preface this with saying that the the guitar is the bane of my existence i i love playing and i love singing but i hate it too because i feel like my brain is is divided in attention and it's an attention so i can mm-hmm. n- neither play the guitar well as well as i'd like nor sing as well as i'd like a particular song um so it's like a love hate relationship i yeah. love making the music um, and forget about trying to smash them t- together at the same time. Yeah. Just. It's tough. Yeah. It, it is. And I, you know, if, if it's a simple strumming song, okay, pretty much anybody could do that. Right. right? But I hear some of these guys, you know, like some modern, take Chevelle, for example. You know, it's a three-piece band, 
you got a guitar player, a bassist, and a drummer, and this guy's doing stuff with a guitar, and I'm like, how in the hell you do? I don't, I can't do it. I don't right. understand how you're able to pick, you know, individual strings and sing this complex song. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like my shtick right now is, my, I've, I, I won't say I've carved out a niche for myself because I have 48 subscribers on YouTube, but right. my my niche, as it were, is. Um, I find a song, I spend about 30 minutes learning it, and I record it. That's it. I don't put a lot of, I don't, it's like the lazy man's effort, right? But that's sort of, I like the the challenge of learning something quickly. Right. And I've taken, I've taken to sight reading, which I guess speaks to my comfort level with the guitar, because yeah. previously that would have been no way. But I like to just see if I can play it. Yeah, you know? to work just, on like sight reading skills or like a quick ear check just to yeah. figure out a song or something yeah yeah and, that, and, that, and that's those a lot are of valuable fun. skills and uh you know i like doing that um the problem is i can never remember them after i do them so i have like i don't know i don't even know how many songs that are on there but yeah i've got a three-hour set list i could probably do I, my repertoire is through the roof if i could remember any of them exactly um yeah so you want to try playing something for us I could probably do an original. I wouldn't want to do a cover because you'd probably get like licensing or probably some, probably some weird licensing thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll worry about that when we're big. <laughs> yeah. as, as soon as they start coming after us, that's how I know we made it. Exactly. Yeah, I see so many so many videos on YouTube, and they t and you know they use like this one guy. Um, oh man, I can't think of his name, but oh, Nick Beato. Mm -hmm. um, he's like he was a producer and everything. He does these educational shows well somebody took down i think he was doing a, a zeppelin song he was talking about what makes a song great right and right. he was doing the, he was talking about this zeppelin song and of course you know whomever it was filed a copyright and they had to take the video down i'm like that makes no sense man like this guy's exposing kids who probably have never really right. heard a zeppelin song. yeah sure they've heard of them but they've never heard a led zeppelin song and they might go buy it yeah you know like yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, let me think here. What can we do? Um, so I'll play. Um, I'll play all I ever never wanted. I th I think I can probably whip that one off pretty easily. Okay, very cool. Isn't that something? <laughs> well, I understand, I understand completely. Sneak peek of the song. Buy it on iTunes. <laughs> um, yeah. See, see, this is. I'm a professional, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's how it goes. I probably should have rehearsed at least one. Oh, don't worry about it. It's all about 
just picking up something and playing. Honestly, when I did the, I ended the last podcast with Evan um, doing a jam session. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact I'm going to record my outro over the beginning of that and crossfade it in because I did not get the tempo for like eight <laughs> measures. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's on like an F chord and I'm still on like the G and it's like, Ooh, yeah. If I was still on the A chord. That wouldn't clash so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should leave that in. Definitely leave it in. I insist because I think it's important for, uh, you know, young musicians to know that musicians mess up man. Yeah. and like, you know, that's, that's exactly it too. You know, you'll look at big musicians, big athletes, big stars. Yes. And you see them at their best. Yep. You do not see them. Yep. You don't see them practice. Yep. And that's what and I was putting. I was talking hours. to Jen about that. You know, that's it's so frustrating for for a young young person, whether that's they're a musician or an athlete or whatever, a pool player. You know, to see these guys and gals at the top of their game, and they don't see the thousands of hours and money and time that they've spent doing these things. Exactly. You know, I'm somebody. I probably played that song. Two, three hundred times, you know, and uh, yeah, just went away. They just vanished out of my head, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and also another important lesson for all you listeners is uh, the seven P's, right? It's proper previous planning prevents piss poor performance. So you know, had we planned that, had and by we I mean me, <laughs> uh, we would have probably sounded a lot better. <laughs> well, I like the organic feel of it. I don't, I don't necessarily, because then I have like scr- a script, like, oh, then I want to prepare and, right. you know, have, have an idea of what I want to talk about. I like an organic sense. And yeah. I knew I was going to play something, or I suspected I was. And when I was like packing the car, I was like, oh, I could totally play that. I could play that anytime I want to. Right. And here, and here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Just an imposter. It's I just, that's, <laughs> in this case, definitely. <laughs> So you're talking about um, a little bit how that one artist, I, I forget their name, but playing and singing at the same yeah. time and yep. doing like all that complex, probably finger picking too, right? Oh, probably. Like, I don't yeah. know how that works. If I'm not p- playing a chord on the same note I'm singing, I can't do it. Right. But have you ever thought about taking um, professional lessons just yeah. to sort of learn how to do that? Yeah. Have you Have you ever done that? Yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> That's as far as I got. <laughs> That's as far as, um, you know, I, I'm like, who the heck could I take lessons from? You know, like I'd like to be a better vocalist, right? you know, and, um, I'd like to, I don't, I have no idea how to breathe or do any of that sort of thing that good vocalists can do. Right. Um, and my girlfriend Ashley is always like, Oh, you got to breathe. Like you got to breathe. Like you're holding, you know, and you're, I'm, you know, my throat gets tight and I'm trying to project and I'm trying to hit higher notes and I'm not doing it properly. Right. You know, so those types of things I would definitely, I could definitely benefit from vocal lessons. And that's another thing. You talk about all the preparation. You know, these guys, these organic, unless you're a punk rocker, the chances are you've taken some vocal lessons. Yeah. Or somebody's instructed you on how to properly breathe during these songs. Right. You know, because the human voice just, you can't do that just naturally necessarily see that's the thing i don't think of myself as untrained or an imposter i think of myself as counterculture yeah that's Same. exactly it yeah <laughs> it's yeah. the easiest way to get around it no right. i'm counterculture. exactly like it's because ashley's like well why don't you do whatever and i'm just like well that's not rock and roll like well, <laughs> you know she's like oh you, you should warm up you know like and I, if i heard people warming up and a they sound stupid and i have a thing about sounding stupid even though no, i'm getting better at this okay i am getting better 
but B, I'm I'm always like, well, that's not very rock and roll. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm used to sounding stupid whenever I open my mouth, so warm ups are right. Totally. I I had to do warm ups. I I taught like elementary school music, and I had to do just the goofiest warm ups with the straightest face. Yeah. Like you're doing the roller coaster. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. And you gotta present it like you know what you're doing. Right. Talk exactly. about imposters. Exactly. Teaching a whole bunch of kids. Yeah. Well, the beauty of it, though, is that you do sound better at the end yeah, of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's the same with warming up. When I was a young drummer, I never warmed up. I just drummed, and yeah. it sounded fine. And the older I get, the less my body wants to do the things my brain is telling it to. And, uh, you know, I sound better when I warm up with guitar or even if I sing through a couple of songs, my voice sounds better. Right. Um, if I've been singing every day, my voice sounds better. Yeah. You know, um, and it's something that I'm, I'm working on trying to uh, take better care of those things. Because right. that's something, you know, people's voices change as they get older. Exactly. But, you know, you don't want to really abuse it too much because then you end up like Axl Rose was for a period of time and he couldn't hit the notes and he sounded like garbage because he wasn't taking care of himself. Right. And that's a lot of things for singers is getting like polyps on your yeah. vocal cords. It's it's important to take care of your voice. So a little bit back more about your history. You've been playing kit for years, guitar for years, up through the military. Got your band in Dayton. And when did you guys decide to become like a live band immediately immediately yeah that was the goal right right out the right out the, out the gate um my wife at the time uh had separated and i was like i gotta do something right and i'm gonna do this and so i put out um an ad online i can't remember the name of the website but i got one response immediately and it was dave the singer and you know we we emailed back and forth he came up. We we met for like two hours, and we're like, "Yeah, we're gonna. This is what we want. We're gonna do this." Right. Well, you know, he's like, "I had a. I've already recorded an album. I've got some songs. I got material." And I'm like, "Awesome. Sounds great." Um, we played for maybe two weeks, and it was like, well, "We need to. We need to find another member." Right. And um, we put out another ad. The only guy to show up was Luke. Uh, we did a rehearsal, you know, and we kind of played it cool. We're like, yeah, we'll let you know, man. We'll let you know. Right. And then as soon as he left, we're like, that's the guy. That That's the guy. <laughs> a, he was the only guy. But also, I don't think if there were 10 other guys, you it would have been different. Else. Because yeah. we, I mean, let's talk about luck. You know, I'm not a big believer in luck. And if, if, I, if I do believe in it, I usually have bad luck. But these two, these two guys were the only guys that come. But, but, but the question answer the question is right from the beginning that's we wanted to play originals and we wanted to record and we wanted to play live yeah so when did that sort of switch flip in you was it when your when your wife separated a bit you're like i gotta get out and play live shows or was that like yeah take build up it was um you know it's something i'd always wanted to do i mean even in high school me and my cousin ron again we've been kind of playing together on and off for like 25 years but The goal has always been to play live for me because I come from concert band and marching mm. band, and those two things are live, obviously. So there's a rush, you know, um, of playing live and having people respond to your music. So that's always been the goal for me. 
the problem was is I joined the military and went to Okinawa and moved and this, that, mm-hmm. and the other thing. And there was just never, I was never in a, in one spot long enough right. to do that. And, uh, I had just gotten a, a good, a decent job and, and she had, um, you know, we'd separated. She, she moved out and I'm like, well, now is the time, you know, right. I got time. Let's do it. Uh, so that's kind of where, how it turned. Right. So did you play shows with Dave was the first member? Yep. Did you play shows with just you and Dave or did you nope. wait until Luke came along? Yeah, we waited. Um, Dave and I had, I think, four or five songs when we when, when Luke came on board. And it's interesting because it's interesting to hear the songs that were written before Luke came and then the ones that were written after. Yeah. So... You know, Dave's Dave wasn't in, really influenced by like Arctic Monkeys and things like that, Oasis and stuff like that. Right. And um, th- we kind of wrote songs, not aping them necessarily, but they were a little bit less beefy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Luke came in and he's influenced by Rage Against the Machine, you know, stuff right. like that. And um, I love that stuff too. Like, right. That's my that's my thing, right? So they took on a very uh, severe edge, I guess. Um, mm. A lot grungier, a lot, a little bit more distortion, a little harder hitting. Like the song "Burnout" from the first album, which is called "Prolepsis," mm-hmm. and then "Sever." Like those are two post-Luke uh, songs. So, long story short, we uh, waited till we had basically the f- the full album. Right. in the bag kind of before we started playing live okay so i wish we had recorded after we had played live right so how long did it take you to form this group and then up to your first live show what was that timeline you know that's a good question this was uh 2006 so it, it feels like maybe a couple of months hmm. maybe a couple of months because we were pretty prolific I mean, we wrote that album really quickly, which is pretty typical of most bands when they get together. There's a right. burst of creative, uh, you know, output. Um, you know, Pearl Jam 10 was recorded in like seven days or something, you know, wow. it's crazy yeah. uh, amount of time. Um, so it was probably two months. You know, we we rehearsed and then we booked studio time and uh, oh, we nice. were all poor. So, you know, we 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 went bargain shopping, which was... A learning experience in and of itself. Right. Um, the second album is much better in terms of production. People yeah. may disagree about the music, surely, but yeah, probably two months. Oh, nice. So you're playing live shows. How'd your first live show go? Uh, it was um, in a bar downtown, Day- uh, downtown Dayton, and I remember we were we opened for someone, and. Uh, it really it went well i mean in terms of our performance but there was nobody there you know mm. like nobody came, nobody knew who we were um some people kind of trickled in for the later band um which the name i can't remember and then uh some of the subsequent shows luke would uh invite he was in the air force he would invite his air force people and right. we'd have we'd have sometimes more people than the later bands right. you know as an opener so how long did you play with these guys down in Dayton? I think about pretty close to two years. Hmm. Two years, and then I took a I took a job, and I think I went to Afghanistan, actually, from there. Hmm. Uh, I took a job in Afghanistan. Um, 
then Luke graduated because he was in the Air Force Research Academy. I can't think, I can't remember the specific name, but he was kind of getting his graduate degree mm-hmm. uh, at the base there. And then he moved to outside of Boston. And then, and then uh, Dave kind of finished his residency and then started his practice just up the road in, in Columbus. But yeah, about two years, maybe total, a year and a half. Yeah. So after you got back from Afghanistan, did you do meet up with any other bands elsewhere? Or has it kind of just no. been solo act since? Yeah, just been solo since. Um, we did we did endeavor to um, you know make a second album. We all wanted to make a second album. Day, uh, Luke rather got in a band in Boston almost immediately. Hmm. A, he's a super talented dude. Right. He's a he's a phenomenal musician. And it's Boston, man. There's this, a billion musicians. Yeah, there, so you much know? to do in Boston. So easy to get in a band, probably. But yeah. you know, when we so when we made the second album, Luke had that much more experience under his belt. Right. Is he still doing like that Rage Against the Machine sort of edge? Um, it was a little bit more um, mainstream friendly, I guess. Right. You know, uh, I think. I mean, their their drummer was phenomenal. He was a phenomenal drummer. He's a better drummer than me. Um, but the three of us kind of gel in a way that we can experiment with things that, you know, maybe you wouldn't want on a top 40 record. Right. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, just doing stuff with different percussion and different sounds and stuff like that. So we uh, we would rehearse like wherever. They, they f- all flew up or drove to Avoca. Mm-hmm. And uh, we rehearsed in my house, and right. you know, Dave had this condenser mic thing with like forty gigs of space. Oh wow! And we'd record just hours of stuff, and then he'd go home and kind of parse it out and figure out what we wanted to keep and what we wanted to get rid of. And then we flew down to Austin, and we went down there, rented out some rehearsal space. We met a bass player that he knew, mm-hmm. who was a really good bass player. He drags a little bit on his playing sometimes. But he's a he comes up with really interesting, innovative parts. Right. He's never been like officially made a, a member of the band. We're still a three piece right. with no bass player, <laughs> which is weird playing live without a without a bass player. Yeah. Um, and then you know we hit the studio. We I don't know. I think we did four four sessions, four or five sessions down at uh, John Schwab uh, Recording Studio in Columbus. Um, Colin Coffey was the engineer. He's the he's he also owns the place. But mm. man, it tell like night and day. You know, you you you're going from beer league softball to you know, triple A baseball, major right. league baseball, with you know his knowledge of Pro Tools and how to how to mic a kit, for example. Yeah. You know the the first album. I think we had three mics. You mm. know, bass drum, two overheads maybe. Right. And I think. I think he mic'd the snare too, so four. That's just, no, no. Um, this guy, Colin, he, you know, he had mic every tom. He has two mics on the kick, snare, overhead, hi hat mics. You know, it's such a much more professional right. job, which you should expect because you walk in there and there's him with Slash and him with Miles Kennedy. Oh wow! You know, f- f- you know, he knows what he's doing. Hailstorm recorded there. Um, yeah. You know, some of these, some of these bands. So. It was it was interesting to see the the changes not only in our songwriting but how we recorded and the experience we got doing the first album and that's really I think that's the key is a lot of people 
musicians, young musicians don't want to do something because they're they don't know how and they right. don't know how it's going to sound. You just got to do it. I think the movie Bohemian Rhapsody actually like gets to that really well yeah. when Queen rents out. I think it's a barn mm-hmm. or something, and they're just you know putting trash cans over the microphone and seeing just what yeah. sort of wild sounds they can make. Yeah. And that's one of my all-time favorite things to do that's why i love synthesizer so much you just turn a dial and see what comes out and it's it's so great just to experiment and i think that also comes like that that helps with just general practice yeah like that you just put in those hours you mess around and that's necessary yeah very necessary that a lot of people don't realize yeah you gotta put the work in you have to you can't get good and I think I don't want to say that this generation, because I think every generation has probably been like that to some degree. Right. They try something. They're not immediately good at it. They're like, eh, I guess I'm not going to be good at that. Right. And they stop, you know. And how many brilliant musicians have we lost because of, of that? Or or their parents didn't encourage them or they didn't get any kind of positive reinforcement like I did as right. a musician. They're not getting that enabling right force to just say keep going yeah and that's why i love young musicians though because they're so innovative right right now man you know (laughs) going back to the studio real quick i love the studio because you can just do stuff and it's so cool to just try to figure out things you know snapping into a, a microphone and just seeing how it sounds with some reverb on it yeah but you know segueing into like young musicians you know they're a lot of people my age are down on music now. Like, oh, they, I missed the 90s because of grunge and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm M- like, man. Music nowadays has no soul. Oh, my God. But it does. It it's does. <laughs> it's incredible what these these young musicians are doing. Yeah. And even older musicians. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely st- still moving forward. The needle's always moving forward right. with music. And I think just as sounds change and people are less acclimated to it than Mm -hmm. how they were you know growing up with something yep it just takes a little bit more but there's always something worthwhile to listen to yeah yeah i mean i that's the thing for me i don't ever want to be stagnant and not and and think like that like oh music sucks now and i hate i hate music now because then i'm just i'm just kill me just throw me underground because i have no point anymore you know and uh a lot of a lot of the people my age and older, they, they look at Post Malone. Oh, he's got face tattoos. What kind of no talent ass clown is this? Right. Like, have you, did you, have you listened to him though? Like, have you listened to his music? Because right. I think you'll be surprised. I will say I, I'm not the biggest fan of Post Malone's like right output, actual like Same. S- yeah. EP outputs, L- LP outputs, but the acoustic stuff yes. that he does. That's, yeah, exactly. Is, so when he just sits on a stool, gets his guitar, and just sings, oh my gosh! Yeah, he's got a voice. Yeah, he's got a voice. He's got talent. He yeah. really does. Yeah. But I'm I'm curious. Sort of, you said Luke had like brought in his Rage Against the Machine. Yep. and David brought in like Oasis, Arctic Monkeys. What sort of influences were you bringing into the band, or what sort of you know past influences you know back from the '90s mm-hmm. are it's like still hits you and yeah. what 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 new music's coming out that really you sort of incorporate into your style uh well back back when we were we were playing i think my biggest 
drumming influence was was probably still like Dave Abruzzi's the second drummer from Pearl Jam. I mean, that was the guy I wanted to be. Yeah. You know, his style was was so unique and there was a, just a great voicing to his drumming. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'll never be Dave Abruzzi's, but uh, you know, you take there's so much you can do with percussion that's more than just your kit. Um, yeah, backbeats, backbeats, you know, and, and fills and stuff. And I'll never be a virtuoso like a Neil Parrott or Danny Carey or these right. guys that are giants amongst a drummer. So, right. you know, my my influence is um, kind of like, you know, make a make a good rhythm section mm-hmm. for my guys to excel. But oh, by the way, I also know what sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. So it's that collaborative thing, like, hey, let's try this. Right. It's we like, all kind of write the songs. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you, there, there's a band when you when you think about that in percussion, because I'll I'll just talk as a as a drummer. Right. Talk about innovative stuff, like this band called Alt J. Uh, they, they're uh, you know I I don't really know what genre, and it's kind of weird to just say what genre they are, but their percussion stuff is very different you know you think like a standard rock song the beat should be on the hi-hat and the bass drum right he's using all sorts of different things that would not have occurred to me 25 years ago to do um and i think that's like the cool thing about right now you know one of my favorite bands going right now 21 pilots yeah you know I, I equate them as they're gifted musicians and and I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but it's like somebody said the two young guys, here's some instruments, just make some music. They didn't teach them how to make music. They didn't say, oh, this is how music's supposed to sound and it should go uh, verse, chorus, bridge. Right. You know, they're just like, make some music. And these two musical geniuses made music. And it's just so different and a, a mishmash of so many different genres. Right. You know, you got reggae, you've got rap music, you got rock music, and it's just crazy the the stuff that these those guys do. Yeah. You know, and in so many bands now. Yeah, a lot of bands that I find are bringing a lot more quarterly to music, like different sonorities that aren't just like the same three chords we all hear. Yeah. Have you heard uh, of the band ni- the nineteen seventy five? They yeah i i don't I can't recall any songs, but the name is familiar. They um they're kind of like like what you're describing, you know they're I can't they have really weird names to their songs, yeah. so they they never really stick in my head, mm-hmm. um because I'm old, but <laughs> um you know they're longer song the, the the names are a little bit longer you know right but uh, one of their new songs like there is no discernible chorus in this song. Right. You know, there's, I don't know what's a verse and what's not a verse. And I, and I think that's so cool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's totally flying against prevailing wisdom. You know, it's like, is this how innovative classical composers felt, you know, and people were like, I don't under, I don't get handle at all. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't make sense to me. The thing Debussy's doing is really freaking weird. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) And that's great because I, I just think it's it's so fun to see how music progresses and, you know, some of the stuff's never going to be on the radio because it doesn't appeal to 
you know, collective sensibilities. Right. Which is, you know, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but it just means, like, when you find that gem. Right. And I was talking to another guy the other day about this. You know, I was, like, lamenting about the old days when you'd you'd find this gem in the, in Sam Goody's. Like, oh, I have, a, I have a rare Pearl Jam single from Japan, and it's got a rare B-side that no one's ever heard before. And now I'm the owner of this secret knowledge that no one else has. Right. But it's the same. It's it's no different now, other than I'm not getting a physical copy. I'm able right. to to find it on you know Spotify or yeah, SoundCloud. And then, and then as soon as you find it, you got a community that also likes it that you can just jump right into. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's so much less lonely to like discover a song and like want to talk about it with somebody. Definitely. I'm curious about sort of where you plan to go with your music, especially sort of like in quarantine. What are you what are your future plans? Um, you know, my future plans are is uh I play when the muse strikes or when I hear something that I wanna do my take on. Right. Um I've got a few things that I've just kind of been tinkering around with that I'm just kind of filing away and right. you know when I um I, I'm starting to kind of try to exp- experiment with writing my own writing, mm-hmm. and I'm so resistant to it for some reason. Yeah. Um, is it more lyrical lyrical writing, or is it like the music part where you're just both? Both. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've gotten lucky because I've I've <laughs> having been a musician for almost thirty years. I'm I average my average output is one song per decade. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, and the three that I've written are pretty, pretty good songs. I mean, they're not going to change the world. They're not a forty-six and two by Tool or anything like that. Right. But they're solid. You know, I like them. They are emotionally uh, resonant to probably some people, me yeah. in particular. But um, you know, it's why it's probably why it took me so long to write my novel. Mm. F- afraid that it's going to suck, because yeah. you know you start it off and and everybody's like you know you read a little bit of it to somebody or they read it and they're like, Oh, this is really good. And then now there's expectations. Right. You and know? it's also like, why did you have to lie to me so much? You know, right. it's garbage. Exactly. Just say so. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I don't, I don't appreciate being yeah. lied to. Exa- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know logically that the Beatles weren't the Beatles until they went to Germany and played, right. you know, and they came back the Beatles, you know, right. Um, you got a right to suck. And yeah. then to get good at it. Exactly. And it's the same with writing literature. You know, Stephen King didn't just become a world-famous author. He wrote a lot of garbage yeah. for a lot of years. His on In his book, I think it's called On, on Writing, yep. um, he talks about just, like, approaching it like full-time work. Yeah. Like, he reads four hours a day, and then he writes yep. four hours a day. And not all that's going to be good the, <laughs> that's the, yeah the, most of that's going to be unusable the problem with creative types or at least for me as a creative type is uh you know the procrastination t- uh, coupled with you know the you know the imposter syndrome but then it's that whole thing well i d- i don't feel it i don't f- i it's such a feel thing writing music and writing l- literature is such a feel right. you know an emotive thing and it's so easy to just fall back on that oh i don't i just i'm just not feeling it today right. or this week or this month or this year and now years have gone by and you haven't done anything um what i found good for my writing actual like words 
right. was I, I'd come up with a playlist because I think musically, right? Right. I'd find songs that would put me in a particular frame of mind, and right. that made it easier for me to descend into the world that I was creating. Right. Which, you know, I probably wouldn't have ever finished the book if it weren't for that, you know? Now, would you listen to music that would sort of stimulate your mind or would you listen to music sometimes that you think the character would listen to just to get more into yes his? yeah that's a good question that's a really good question both yeah. both uh there was one one particular song um that that would help me get into the, the mood to write because it was a really depressing mm. novel overall uh jesus christ by the band brand new that would mm. always like I I hear the just the, the the little sound effect and then the opening notes and I'd be like okay yeah it's just it's a it would bring me into that frame of mind. Right. My goal was I wanted to make something to write something more of like a multimedia type thing where at particular points in the story as you're reading it on a digital platform an iPad or whatever uh, a snippet of a song would come up mm-hmm. because music was very important to the character as well and right. it explained you know certain parts of his backstory i actually ended up cutting out like four or five pages of the novel because i was worried about getting sued right you know because there were lyrical references so mm. i snuck them in there when i could right but um, you know i know fair use grants you a certain amount of a song but i'm like okay am i gonna i just it's just too much of a goddamn headache frankly yeah. um which is a bummer because there's a lot of music in them in the character. Right. So yes, I would definitely listen to particular songs in the frame of mind of the character to write the character. I I would like to revisit that. Yeah. Um, and I have again another playlist that I'm compiling to right. help me get into that because the the tone of the second book, if it ever is finished, will be somewhat different yeah. than the first. Are you going a little bit like darker or? I think it has a potential to be a little darker, yeah, yeah, yeah. because, you know, not that anybody's going to read the goddamn thing, but uh, spoiler alert, his anchor is not, it doesn't exist anymore. The mm. person that, that was his anchor is right. gone. So, yeah, I think it could be a little darker. Wow. Yeah, I find that when I usually try to write words to songs, lyrics, um, or just any writing in general, I tend to ap- approach it very humoristically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's due to that fear of not necessarily being pretentious, but just actually putting yeah. how I feel out there. Right. It's petrifying. I, I totally get it. Absolutely petrifying. I totally get it because you, you're af- you're, you are afraid to some degree of appearing pretentious because – Oh well, Kurt Cobain was a brooder, and he wrote, right. you know. And then th- this is a brooding song, and these are great musicians and great writers of songs. And I'm just me, like who? Nobody cares about my right. brooding stuff. So well, I, yeah. Why would anybody care about my point of view? Yeah, right. And it's it, the difficult part for any young musicians listening out there getting past that. Yes, because yeah. that's exactly what all of these artists were like. It's yeah. like I want to put myself out there. Who's going to give a damn? People that resonate with it. And if it resonates with you, it's going to resonate oh, with Oh, absolutely. Else. Yeah, there's too many people. There's too many people that feel too many different things. Um, I'm beyond the point of like caring so much about how my content resonates. Mm. I'm to the point of 
is this is it gonna sound good you right. know i'm okay with writing down you know feeling bad about whatever right. i don't have a problem with that because i'm a i'm just a writer in general but okay can can i can the music make do do these words justice right that's that's my that's my problem now so do you always approach music lyrics and then music or are you um like a bit of a flip-flopper yeah kind of a flip-flopper not necessarily like a musical Mitt Romney but yeah I'm a musical Mitt Romney yeah yeah the next title track musical Mitt Romney (laughs) that's a good that's a good album name yeah probably gets sued but for sure yeah I mean it's like farcical at that point it is I think it's satire yeah I mean Mitt Romney's a satire of himself at this point the the muse of Maroney we could do that one the muse of Maroney (laughs) Well, it was excellent to have you on, and I know you are very opinionated about what rock and roll is. Stay tuned for that episode, folks. Yeah. That's coming up. Um, It was awesome to have you on. Do you want to plug anything, YouTube, Facebook? Uh, I mean, my YouTube is just my name, Mm -hmm. youtube.com slash Halen Allison. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's it. I don't have it. There's nowhere else you could reach me. You could check out my band Exeter. Yeah, on, check out uh, Exeter on on Spotify, iTunes, Spotify, iTunes, probably other places. I don't know, Dave. Dave probably making like hundreds of dollars now. Yeah. <laughs> T- tell Dave to uh, spread the wealth. Show me the money, Dave. <laughs> I want to see your books. Evenly distribute the wealth. <laughs> Universal yeah. basic income that's right. from this album. But yeah, that's it. I'm glad to ha- glad to be here. I'm I'm super stoked about this. Hopefully, we get a chance to chat again. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, right. definitely. Awesome. Cool. I just want to take a moment here at the end of the podcast to thank Halen and reiterate for the audience the very real and very scary sensation of the imposter phenomenon. Just feeling completely inadequate in front of peers in front of an audience that expects probably more than what you're comfortable with and overcoming that it was very important i feel to touch upon these subjects and as you'll hear next week with our guests they also bring up a very very similar anxiety about performance as we'll find out it took him years and years and years and years to muster up the courage the gumption the je ne sais quoi to get out there put himself out there so thank you all so much for listening to this podcast i hope we left you with something to chew on catch Halen and Exeter on all the platforms we talked about previously in the podcast. And I hope you enjoy our jam session where we both step a little bit out of our comfort zones. This will be my f- first for me. I've never played with anybody playing piano. Really? Not on guitar. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. I'm a vibe. <laughs> Is that the tempo you want to play this? <laughs> no, we can definitely take that a lot slower. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a goddamn revival. <laughs> oh.
Well, we did just talk about gospel music, so we did. I'm really, I'm up tempo. Yeah, you're gonna. Uh, I mean, so how you got this re- the piano recording through that mic there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just hope I can hear me over that. So, so you're talking about the chorus? Uh, yeah, we're just like right before. Oh, yeah, so it's like, Taxi's waiting in the zone of song. Already I'm so lonesome like a guy. Wow, that's high for me. You want to take it down? Can you? step down so that would be what yeah so that would be the key of F sharp okay right yeah because a half step down is only a flat right I'm ready to go I'm standing here outside your door I hate to wake you up to say goodbye But the dawn is breaking It's early morn The taxi's waiting He's blowing his horn Already I'm so lonesome I could me and smile for me tell me that you'll wait for me hold me like you never let me go cause I'm leaving on a jet 
Chill for Coca-Cola. I have. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Uh, <laughs> uh, not, I don't know if I'm that familiar with it, but I, I just do it.
perfect harmony. I'd like to hold it in my arms and keep it company. I'd like to see the world for once, standing hand in hand, and hear them echo through the hills for peace throughout the land. So it's uh. What key do you have it in? Well, this would be normal, so I guess G. No, here. Yeah. Is that? So it starts with D, right? I have D here. C7, sorry. C7? Yeah. One, two, three. I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honey bees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to hold it in my arms and keep it company. I'd like to see the world for once while standing hand in hand and hear them echo through the hills for peace throughout the land. I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to hold it in my arms and keep it in company. I'd like to see the world for once while standing hand in hand. Hear them echo through the hills for peace throughout the land. That was pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So are you gonna have that is she gonna edit that those songs or you just gonna throw them on there? Probably just honestly, I I like the the idea of just roughing it through a jam session yeah we we keep in most of the rough parts but we cut it down for time just so people can get the idea yeah um but yeah we i, I like to keep them in yeah so was, yeah i think that's kind of cool yeah do you know you are the sunshine of my life by cb wonder i do not Yeah. And it's, uh, I guess, a 
That sounds super fucking good on piano, dude. Yeah? Yeah. You want to record it? As long as I don't forget the lyrics halfway through <laughs> like I did last time. Oh, that's no problem. So it's E flat. Yeah. G flat. Yep. And then B flat minor. Yep. I like it. I'll just do the intro. I'll just go. And then we'll go into it, right? Do I stay or do I go? What is left for me to know about this life? Can I ask you yes or no? What is left for you to show? You still love me. What you won't have for me, and all I never won't have to do is hurt you. Do you Sounds cool. It does. Sound Maybe cool. next time I'll have the words down. Do you like like the the damper piano, or do you want it more? I like it that way. Yeah. Yeah, dude, for sure. Cool. In fact, uh, yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely see and recording that, like for real. Sure. I'm always down. Like that. That's that. That piano sounds really, really good. I never even thought about it as having piano in it, but it's super good. Cool. Yeah, I, I love I love how that song sounds. I really do. That's cool. Okay, oh, cool, man. Yeah, I just wish I could uh, remember the fucking. I, it's the first line of the fucking second verse that I can't remember. Yeah, well, like we were saying, play it 300 times. Yeah. Wow, how the, wow, I can't remember it now. All of a sudden. Eh, whatever. I figured because I was like, yeah, okay, I'll just play it through and it'll come to me. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't come to me. What's that? The Picardy third is when you have a song in a minor key. Okay. And then you end it on the minor chord. Where would that be? Uh, we're in E flat major. Yeah. Yeah, if you bring that one up one fret. That's it. Okay. Don't cool. do don't do a Picardy third. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> They're the worst. I fucking hate that. I hated it. I hated it immediately. <laughs> but I was wor- I was willing to see how it played out. It it poorly. It's super dissonant, which kind of throws off the whole f- 
I feel like if I heard that song that way and then I threw in that, I would be like, oh, yeah. I don't like that song anymore. Should I stay or should I go? About this life. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, bro. Nice. Very cool. All right, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you get going, man. That was fun. Yeah, it was. We'll have to do this uh, some more. Thank you all for listening to Zingspiel Sessions. This episode was recorded at Lounge DeLuca, edited and mixed by Jen Payne, and hosted by me, Anthony DeLuca. We look forward to seeing you next week when we have Jeremy James of the Ampersand Project on. Till next time.